0: Welcome to Piecing It All Together. I'm Randy Woodley. I'm Bo Sanders. We're Piecing It All Together. This is episode 12, which is a feedback episode. We asked for our Patreon supporters and for those who have liked the Facebook page uh, to give us some stuff to talk about and to uh, give direction to the show, and so today we're going to handle a couple emails that were sent in. All right. One was sort of directed at me, and yeah. one was sort of directed at you, so <laughs> great. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I wish it was reversed. I like the one that was uh, was sent to, to you. I'd like to talk about that one first, if that's all right. Okay. All right. So Rob uh, sent us an email. He had been up at a conference and uh, overheard a conversation. So I'm going to read his email. During some conversations about the legacy of colonialism in Native communities, a couple of white folks I love very much made the following comment. Quote, I understand why the older generations of Native Americans are upset because they remember the injustices, but I don't understand why the younger generations haven't done better. The government has given them all the resources they need to succeed. Rob says, My first response to this statement has to be a question. How many generations do you think it takes for people who've lived here for thousands of years to, quote, get over it? And then he asks, How can we think about these issues differently? How can we uh, approach this effectively? And then he says, Many thanks, Rob, a white guy. <laughs> so that was uh, to you. And I don't know where you want to start with that, but you've probably heard or overheard similar comments. I know that people um, in your travels uh, give you lots of uh, pushback when it's time for Q&R or times mm-hmm. of response. So sure. have you heard stuff like this before? So yeah, all the time. So I, I, I hear,
1: um, you know, don't don't use the term white supremacy a lot. Um, I hear... The, uh, the thing of, you know, when are you guys going to get over it? Uh, another sort of famous one is, you know, the government gives them everything, mm-hmm. and so, you know, mm-hmm. why, why don't they do better for themselves? Um, those are all, they're common to the American mythology, you know, and so mm. the, they're not true. I mean, they're not based on truth, okay. but, but they're based on the, the American myth, and that's what most white folks have been exposed to is the American myth, because it's upholding their own secure place. I react to those, and I have to admit, I, I actually could have come up if I wanted to take the time with a lot longer list, mm-hmm. but I just thought I'm just going to answer him the first
0: yeah. three or four things that come to mind. And, yeah. Um, So I can't even remember what I said. You got them there. I did. You wrote down some initial reflections, so I'm going to give them to you one at a time and just let you uh, expand them. Number one, the government doesn't give, quote, unquote, anything to Native Americans that is what it did not give that it did not give to white people, but it certainly takes away more and offers less opportunities for Native Americans than for whites
1: yeah, well, so the government didn't give us anything. the government took away the land, the government took away the family system, the government took away the religion, uh, the government took away the, the spirituality and, and the languages and you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and might I add the government in cahoots with both Church and uh, in cahoots with settlers. Mm. So often it was the settlers who brought the reign of terror down on Indian people because they were afraid they would try to take their land back. Mm. So, um, so the whole thing is is really about a system built on white supremacy that said Native people are a problem because they won't accept their own uh, oppression and subjugation, and so now we have to. Uh, create this myth that says, oh, we give them everything. And so um, there's nothing that the government gives uh, to Native people that it doesn't give people who are white, who have the same uh, financial status um, and uh, that, that they do. So in other words, if there's HUD housing on a reservation, it's just like if your city gets HUD housing. Um, the government doesn't give Native people cars to drive around. It doesn't... It, It doesn't give Native people free education. Um, That comes usually through the tribes uh, or scholarships through particular schools. Um, uh, Free health care, there's no such thing. Health care is given to Native people or or access to, which is really becoming very limited now, but access is based on the treaties uh, because we're giving land back. And so if you want to take away health care and education, uh, opportunities and some of those things, then well, particularly health care is really the main one. Um, uh, then just give us the land back, and we won 't ask for health care so, um, but but they found ways around that anyway, so you know seventy percent of native people now live off reservation, most of them in urban areas, most of those urban areas don 't have access to um, the the Indian health service health care. Yeah. They're closing down clinics all over the place, and so um, any people, as a result, have the worst health in the United States of any people group. So, um, but it's it's a it is a zero sum game. They take away from us and they give to other people.
0: Number two, the assumptions that the injustices have stopped stopped shows real ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I guess I called them ignorant. Or at least said that there's ignorance presence. And maybe I need to apologize if I offended anybody (laughs) with that one. But, um, yeah, I mean, and and part of this is not their fault. Again, they've fallen into the mythology. uh, These things aren't reported on the news. Mm -hmm. But our oppression, both active and and, uh, passive, uh, has never stopped. We're still, uh, our our native people um, are still having land taken away. Uh, They're still having... Uh, people taking resources out of their land without permission. Um, there's still subpar education, health, et cetera, et cetera, which was all designed, by the way, to create a dependency. Um, some people criticize Native people. Why are they so dependent? Because that's what the church and the government wanted. That's why. Hmm. And, so, and I, I'm the biggest uh, proponent of um, sovereignty if it's sovereignty without relying on the U.S. government. Hmm. But we call sovereignty these days in in, Indian country um, uh, uh, sovereign nations, but we still rely on government grants and funding and everything else. And so so it's not real sovereignty. So uh, I have a big concern about that. I have a a concern about dependency taking away the dignity of any people. But if you create a dependency generation after generation, then you can pretty well do what you want with them. Hmm. Um, And so... um, uh, yeah, and these things, so the, these systems are still in play. These systems are still playing themselves out um, uh, from the original violence, and now they're still violent, but maybe not in this direct action, even though there's still direct violence going on. There's still Native people who are shot on reservations and off-reservation towns and beat up and, and killed uh, you know, in all kinds of ways. And, of course, the missing and murdered uh, Native women, which is another whole show that we want to do. Yeah. We have, want to have Edith come yeah. on and talk about that. And, and what's behind that, that's, a, that's you know, exploitive uh, colonial practices that always uh, kind of end up with sexual violence because of the power dynamic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all of these things are, are continuing, and to think that, you know, uh, it's over right. is just ignorant. I, so I, people say to me, when are you people? I've I had people yeah. ask me right in the middle of a crowd, when are you people going to get over it? And I just look at them and say, well, when it's over. Mm. But it ain't over, you know.
0: And so educate yourself. I think where it comes from is there's a misconception that because of casinos in the last 30 years mm-hmm. and, and the, the financial revenue from that, that people said, well, I know things were bad in the past, but what are you complaining about now? Yeah, and you think really? You think that that fixes everything? Yeah, right for the few tribes that have it.
1: Yeah, and it does help a bit, but I think only thirty percent have casinos. And uh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, thirty percent have casinos, and of those, I think it's like five percent that actually make a profit on them. So we we hear about the big ones, Mm -hmm. but there's so many that really don't don't even
0: uh, they just tread water basically. So your third uh, response point was, if the definition of, quote, succeed is to be more like white people, then by the same standard, why could we not ask why white people have not succeeded in becoming more like Indians? But unfortunately, the idea that success is to become more like white people belies a hidden form of white supremacy, believing the system set up for white folks in the U.S. is best for everyone.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Do I need to say anything more than that? I don't think so. That was pretty <laughs>
0: thorough as a talking point. Yeah. It's like, you know, what, what's
1: your idea of success? You know, destroying the earth and destroying uh, families by creating the, uh, um, the uh, uh, nuclear family system and uh, destroying uh, people's education systems by the factory learning system and destroying uh, the harmony of uh, hospitality and coexistence by creating a... A very um, selfish, uh, greed-based capitalism. I mean, is that successful? If, if that's successful, just take a look around the world. It's only working for about you know one percent of the people. So, oh, wow.
0: Mm. Lastly, why are they problematizing the Indians, saying that there are that they are the problem when they're the actual victims of theft, murder, and genocide, which now extends its deadly tentacles through all kinds of processes of assimilation and neocolonialism? Yeah. So you know, it's just very
1: easy. You know, if if I could speak to those folks directly, I'm saying, why are you saying Native people the problem? You're the problem. <laughs> you know, obviously the the white supremacy um, which you you know enjoy the benefits of is the problem. It's not the problem's not Native people.
0: The problem's you. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing. You know, when you overhear something like that, especially from people who you know you connect with and and like, right, you have commonality with and you hear something like that and you think uh oh, I am uncomfortable with the direction you're headed right now and you realize that there's something buried there. There's something under the surface. It's an assumption that's being made about what success is mm-hmm. and why those people can't conform to that. Well, and, and white supremacy is so, as you like to use the expression, baked in the bread. Yeah.
1: Uh, it's so baked in the bread that um, most people don't even recognize it, right? It's, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's that... Nose in front of their face. It's there all the time, but they never notice it. And But, you know, if you're around people who are different than you, they'll point it out to you, right? If But most people don't like to be com- uncomfortable, right? So um, so I'm just uh, sort of helping them see uh, that uh, there's something going on that they're not seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: now, I should also qualify this as a, that I'm not just an opinion jock who says, you know you know, White people do this and Native people do this. and what I, I've spent my whole life uh, both in service to Native American people and uh, trying to be a peacemaker between Native people and white folks, and, uh, or I should say non-Native people, and, or we could even say Western uh, ideologies and indigenous ideologies or worldviews. So I've spent my whole life doing this um, the last 35 years. So um, I'm not just a talker. Um, You know, we've we've done uh, we've held conferences. We've uh, spent lots of times uh, talking to individuals and uh, community groups and churches and governments, uh, city governments and county governments, and trying to sort of uh, bring about some kind of uh, peaceful solutions. But we've also created uh, programs, uh, homeless programs. We've created. Uh, unwed mother uh, programs and baby closets for people who can't afford to buy things for their children, food closets. We've created um, educational systems. Um, We've helped a number of people educationally. There's so many things. I think at one point we, we counted like 35 different things that we've been involved in in service to our Native American community. And that doesn't even count where we've tried to bring communities together. So, mm-hmm. so I guess I'm saying I think I have a right to say this.
0: Yes. You know, it's important. This is a good opportunity to say, you know, the name of the show really comes out of your heart. I mean, piecing being made into a verb, right? That peacemaking, piecing as a verb is really um, your life mission, your life um, direction. Right. And so I'm a peacemaker. Yeah.
1: And you know, it's not that I uh I don't get angry, it's not that I don't tell the truth or, mm-hmm. or what I understand my truth to be, and you know, I realize I can be wrong and
0: and have been on many occasions. So yeah. so uh but I can be corrected, I think. So piecing, but you're also not a one man show, so that's why it's piecing together. There because that's community. Yeah. And then if somebody said, Well, what are you piecing together? you say it all. Yeah. <laughs> the whole damn thing. Yeah, totally. so we're piecing it all together. That's where the name of the show come, comes from. Yeah. Uh, second email that we received was from one of our Patreon supporters, and she wanted us to know that uh, she really likes when we uh, bring in different voices and wants to make sure that we do that in the future so that we can uh, hear different perspectives. And so she really liked that part, but she also wanted to make sure that you and I, um, didn't always talk like academics and and use big words and come from a ten thousand foot perspective was the phrase. So we heard that and we we've, we've been talking about how to make sure that we uh, talk like non-academics.
1: Yeah, and I, I see see those as two different things actually. Exactly. So one is uh, to talk in the language of a, of an academic is to use big words, <laughs> which that I, you know I admit. You know once you learn those and you 've sort of had to use those mm-hmm. it 's like learning a different language that right? 's true, and so you rely on those a lot of yeah. times so I uh, my apologies uh, to anyone who I have uh, come across as a snotty nosed uh, spoiled <laughs> academic um, but to see things from a ten thousand uh, foot view i think is is an asset and i don 't think you have to mm. be a, a, a academic to do that i 'm a big picture person i 'm mm. a vision visionary and and I, I like to, to see how they affect things on the ground, of course, but if we don't talk about the big things, we don't realize what the system's based on. Yeah, right. And so we talk a lot about what's going on in the system yeah. as opposed to just like this one subject. And, and I would argue that in the news, they get you uh, looking at just one subject and and then get you detracted from what's... It's what we really did our show on last time. Mm-hmm. Um, and get you detracted from the big picture of what's really happening here. I'll give you a good example. Um, we just had... Uh, we came back into town from New Mexico, uh, I think it was a week ago, Monday, or Sunday, yeah. And uh, uh, and there was the uh, Antifa group, and there was the... What were those uh, right-wing groups like that? I'm Unite not sure. the Right. Unite so, the Right, yeah. and uh, And <clears> they <throat> were... You know, having their mm-hmm. thing that they do all the time, you mm-hmm. know, yelling matches and <laughs> the show. Yeah, <laughs> and the and and so, uh, um, and, and part of this is, is Antifa's um, really fault because they they're not very good at both organizing and capturing uh, the press and what's really happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, they're more about it seems yelling at Nazis, which is important. I think you know, we ought to yell always, at Nazis, always a good idea, but um. Uh, but, so, so what's the, uh, the Portland, uh, you know, in, in one of the most liberal cities in the United States, it's all about the clash between Antifa and the police. And yeah. what we should be talking about is Nazis are marching in Portland. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they did, it got detracted, you know, so the, the, we got to look at the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? Why are they marching in Portland? Why are they marching in Charlottesville? Why are they uh, marching in Washington, D.C.? Uh, why is uh, a number of other countries becoming more fascist? There's a big picture mm-hmm. that these things are connected to. And if we just deal with the one little sensational piece, mm-hmm. we miss the big picture.
0: And uh, that's what we get captured by. So that's a great clarification. And I like that we, so we've made this agreement. We're, we don't want anyone to feel excluded from the conversation because of the vocabulary. So that is a definitely a good thing to watch. But we also want to say, like, if you listen to episode 11... You know we're actually going to f- make things more complicated, not more simple sometimes, because if the simple explanation isn't satisfying or isn't thorough or doesn't have integrity, then we're going to pull back the curtain and say what else is going on here so sometimes it will be getting that ten thousand foot perspective it's It's sort of what we do it's kind of how I operate yeah uh, yeah, all right but it's a good it's a good reminder, so I appreciate it. Our third and final email comes from will, and uh, he. It's quite a lengthy email and it's very thoughtful. And there were two issues that seemed to be the main points of concern. So, the first one was about um, representing conservative perspectives. Right. That's something that we probably aren't going to uh, major on. We try and account for it. But neither of us necessarily hold those views, so they're probably not going to be promoted. Widely, I mean, you can get them almost anywhere, right? If, if that's what you're interested in, we're trying to do something different, which doesn't reinforce the binary or the spectrum thinking of our current politics, right?
1: And so, and it's it's really you know, I, I hate those old, you know, conservative liberal sort of binaries, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, th- that's where the country's at, there's no doubt, yeah. Um, and, and you know, basically, this is we're at a time when your politics basically de- determines almost everything now about your, your worldview. Yeah. So, so I, I do believe that there is a middle way of talking about these things, but, but I don't hold a more liberal position or more conservative position because they're a liberal or conservative position, I hold them because that's my view of mm-hmm. life and the world and, and that's what I think would be best for all of us. I'm real interested in the common good, not just my individual rights. Mm-hmm. And so um so I, I can't really apologize for my view. It's all I have. Mm-hmm. It's me. I've heard uh, lots of kinds of uh, liberal and conservative views on lots of different things, and some I agree with and some I disagree. And so if I have a more conservative view, I will promise you that I will state it on a particular subject. Okay. Um, but, uh, but I can only, you know, the, the show is the two of us, and we can only do who we
0: are. That's true. And and one of the things for years you and I have talked about um, having this kind of a conversation and inviting other people into it. Because you and I take away so much from our exchanges, and uh, every time that we get to see each other when, when we didn't live close together, w- it was such a rich time of, of trading ideas and inspiring and collaborating. And so then when we finally did live in the same area, we thought, let's do this. And so we just wanted to open it up. But yeah, I, I, and, and obviously, we do want to be uh, generous in our approach to various topics, but I have no interest... In, in promoting the spectrum, and especially that liberal, um, conservative, polar opposite thing, mm-hmm. you can get that anywhere. So we're just trying to do something different. Yeah. But the bigger issue that came up is the issue of borders. And this came back to, uh, we were talking, this is back... Um, We were talking about Romans chapter 13 because Jeff Sessions had quoted this passage, this one verse out of Romans chapter 13, and then Sarah Huckabee Sanders reinforced it with a couple other Bible passages, Mm -hmm. and uh, when we had recorded that episode early on, um, I was none too impressed with taking those passages out of context, out of Scripture, and then applying them to make us good little obedient boys and girls and keep us in line, and that for too long within sort of Christian history and and specifically Christendom, the Christian West, these passages have been misused. But uh, Will's pushback was, um, and there's a section about borders, and I wanted to ask you about your view of borders. Yeah, I just want to say that Mm -hmm. if you have to use a scripture to
1: get people to go against their own conscience, then you're a tyrant. That's what I would call tyranny. So, um, I, I don't think that's how the scriptures perhaps, maybe that is the way they were intended to be used, but, um, that's not how I like mm-hmm. to use them. So, um, so I, I think later on in that passage, it talks about the law of love. And I think that sort of, uh, overrides, uh, all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not that we shouldn't have laws; we mm-hmm. have to have laws, and we should obey laws. But don't use that as a as a hammer. It's a bad choice by Jeff Sessions, I think.
0: Yeah, our listener here says that you know I may have been a little bit flippant when I use the phrase "good little boys and girls," and and sometimes I can be flippant. I mean, it's sort of my the way I talk mm-hmm. is to um, I I do take. I'm chippy sometimes, especially when I'm unhappy about something. That's so a very British sounding <laughs> word. Very chippy. But it says um, you know not to, just a caution not to mock the laws of the land. And I actually want to come back to the idea of laws of the land. Mm. That's an ironic phrase, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about land. But here's the the, the part that really got my attention. The policies at the border are not random and they are not, as best I can see, some sort of crime against humanity like the times of slavery or the boarding schools. The people who cross the border illegally, including hard criminals who may in some cases be trafficking children or using them as shields to get asylum, are breaking faith with the U.S. government and the people of the land, including legal immigrants, who have chosen to go through the legal process. And it continues. So I wanted to just talk about Borders. I mean, this is, I would say, the most hotly contested and controversial issue in our entire country these days, right. except that there are like five or six of them. But it's definitely one of the definitely, big ones. Definitely. Um, you probably, I'm going to guess, have a unique view of boundaries and borders. Yep. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I think uh, I'm in favor of some sort of... Uh,
1: Open border policy. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean non-screening, but I think uh, open borders. Uh, I, I just don't believe in the nation state as a, as it exists today. As yeah. a, you know, it, what what it's caused is greed Mm-mm. and murder and wars and the goals of the nation state are not don't seem to be for the good of all the people. Mm-hmm. And so it, it seems to me like a
0: uh, an outdated uh, model that we need to rethink. Interesting. Um, huh. Now, if you listen to episode 11, I mean, there's a story behind Nations... Mm-hmm. Right. There's a national story about how we came to be and what we value and what makes us special. Mm-hmm. And then there's sets of practices like saying pledge of allegiance to the flag mm-hmm. and singing the national anthem before a sporting event. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like a, a, a worship song to America. Mm-hmm. Right. Apparently you have to sing it. Right. We talked about this before. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and then there are relationships and communities. And if you're on the other side of one of these lines that's been drawn. Right. And imposed on the earth. This is why the law of the land is an interesting phrase. Mm. So these um, arbitrary or random lines that have been drawn that aren't actually there, but they've been imposed, then you are outside of relationship and community and are not welcomed on this side of that line.
1: Right. But I want to go back to yeah. the mythology that's being uh, propagated, and uh, from the president's office in particular, um, you know, from the beginning, before uh, he was ever elected, it, it was he he kept positing two thoughts in everyone's minds. Number one, Mexicans are rapists and murderers, mm-hmm. and number two, well, there are really three things: they're rapists and murderers. Uh, He said he kept inserting Mm MS-13, like, oh, there's going to be MS-13 members in all the groups that come across the border, and he called them breeders. Mm-hmm. As if they were animals, mm-hmm. and so this is all meant to dehumanize people. Okay, well that's fine. You can say, well, well, that's the way this president talks. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, nice people don't talk that way, but that's the way this president talks about mm-hmm. a particular group, Mexicans. So, so we know that he is uh, a racist and he's prejudiced against Mexicans. Okay, by the things that he constantly fed into his group, right, mm-hmm. and he fed off of the racism, right. Mm-hmm. So. But now we have it systematized in a policy where you can take children away from their parents, mm-hmm. and they may never see their parents again. And you can do that because you dehumanize them to the point where uh, you have half the country thinking they're rapists, murderers, mm-hmm. uh, breeders, it's and MS-13, uh, MS-13. Yeah. So if you can dehumanize anybody, I said this in my book in nineteen and two thousand. Uh, Uh, Living in Color, Embracing God's Passion for Ethnic Diversity, that the first casualty of war is the dehumanization of the enemy. It's to dehumanize the other, to dehumanize them to the point where you can treat them subhumanly, less than human. You treat them as the other, and then you can do whatever you want. You can create policy to do that. Now, Hitler and uh, his team, his propaganda team, were masters at that, right? So the first thing they had to do was dehumanize the Jews, To make them less than everyone else and make them a threat to everyone else. And, you know, uh, that's a similar strategy to what I see going on with border security, with uh, mothers and families coming across the border. It's not harmless. It's not just uh, um, a prejudiced person or racism. When that person has the power to enact systems mm-hmm. that play out that inhumanity, that play out that
0: dehumanizingness, um, then uh, you know we all stand in peril. Hmm. So the longer this podcast series goes on, the more episodes we put out, the more people are going to learn that I am fascinated with things called constructs, things we construct, right? Things that don't actually exist except for human participation in them. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so borders and boundaries are actually constructs. Like if you looked at a picture of the earth, there aren't actual lines, right? Like at certain parallels or so like, for instance, Oregon, it's a construct, the, the boundaries and the borders of the state of Oregon and then how the governmental system is set up on it, it doesn't actually reside on the land. It's imposed on top of it. Right. But it's not that it doesn't exist. I mean, Oregon does exist, but as a construct. It's, it exists because we participate in it as yes. such. Yes. And so borders and boundaries are fascinating to me. Uh, like denominations or democracies, right? They have actual concrete consequences. But except for human participation, they don't actually exist. So that's why I'm fascinated with constructs. It's like race and racism. Race is a construct, yeah, right? Race, yeah,
1: ra- race and race only, uh, different races only exist because of racism.
0: Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we're all one race. Yes, so, right. The human race and science is actually bearing this out i mean people have been saying this from a humanitarian perspective for a while and now it's funny that science is is actually validating it and so people are coming back and saying wait a minute if this thing doesn't really exist then why do you have all of these really severe consequences from it and the answer is because we participate in our how we imagine right so Another way to talk about it is called social imaginary, but that sounds really heady, so I go with construct. But that's another way of saying it. And borders are social imaginaries. Mm -hmm. But once you put up barbed wire or concrete or you draw a line in the map and then you back that up. So all I'm saying when I say this is let's be humble and let's be cautious when we throw around phrases like the law of the land. In acknowledgment that that actually that law isn't in the land, it's imposed on top of it. Mm. It's not the law of the land, right? That's a very human construct that has been laid down on top of the land. I just want to be careful with that. Yeah, and I, I appreciate
1: the fact that we'll say, yeah. to the best of my understanding, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, that shows some
0: humility. That's We're, true. We are um, all trying to do our best, you know, right? We're all we're all working together. This is the together and piecing it all together. Is we're just trying to do our best with the tools that we have. But it doesn't mean we're all going to agree. That's and, true. And, and so, yeah. you know, even if we all have the same information, we may come to different conclusions. Yeah, or we may act on it differently. Mm. So we are different. Well, listeners, thank you for your feedback. Uh, we really want to encourage you to post your ideas on uh, the Facebook page. You can post on the actual website where these episodes are uploaded on piecingitalltogether.com, or you can email us at connect at piecingitalltogether.com, and we get those emails. Thank you so much for your honesty and for your uh, for sharing. We appreciate the, all the shares we've been getting in the rest Yeah, so, and a special thanks to Will and to Rob and... To Lorraine. To Lorraine, yeah, thank you. Yeah, very much appreciate uh, you letting us know. We appreciate you listening, and we want to encourage you, if you want to participate... Uh, in this conversation and support us in expanding the audience you can do that at patreon.com go find piecing it, P-E-A-C piecing it all together at the $1 level the $10 level the $20 level and if you do support us at that $20 a month level we next week are going to be sending out the date and the invitation to participate in the live Zoom recording of the next episode we would love if you would be a part of that. Sounds great. Uh, I'm Bo Sanders. I'm Randy Woodley. Peace, Peace out. out. yeah.